Today on Biblio Burrito, we introduce a new podcast series entitled Help Yourself to Health, hosted by Daphne Dykes. This program is designed to help citizens understand health illnesses and issues that plague our communities. We will feature weekly tips, programs, and activities to help you live your healthiest life. On this inaugural episode, we discuss sickle cell disease with input from our Pillar Dawn of the MTS Sickle Cell Foundation Incorporated and Corey Lewis of the Red Moon United Sickle Cell Foundation. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Please introduce yourselves and the organizations you represent. And Ms. Dawn, we will start with you. Hello, everyone. My name is Matilda Dawn, and I am the founder and CEO of MTS Sickle Cell Foundation. We are located here in Clayton County. Awesome. Mr. Lewis? Hello, my name is Corey Lewis, and I am the CEO of Red Moon Project Incorporated, where we serve sickle cell patients and Black rare diseases in our Black and Brown communities. Excellent. Ms. Don, would you please tell us what led you to decide to start a sickle cell foundation? Oh, we don't have enough time, but <laughs> if we were to cut it short, um, I have three beautiful daughters who all suffer from sickle cell disease. So um, I'm very inspired uh, by my children. But over the years, I have uh, what keeps me going is seeing that there's so many people who need support, who need um, who need this conversation had, and they don't have access to what we have access to here in terms of the United States because sickle cell is a global health issue. So the fact that the, the advances that we make here in terms of our advocacy will somehow trickle down to parts of the world that we will never get to, um, that keeps me going. Excellent. Mr. Lewis, what led you to decide to start a sickle cell foundation? Um, so what started, what pushed me to do it is ever since high school, uh, I should say ever since middle school, um, if the kids know who have sickle cell 504 plans, it's all over the place. And, you know, just being in school and missing so many classes and being in a hospital a week out of every month, it got to a point where I had teachers telling me like, well, you should just drop out and just redo it again. You know, Mm -hmm. don't put so much stress on you, but it's like, that's not helpful. And um, I feel like that's what pushed me to figure out, like, what can I do so people don't tell patients this? I don't want no other teacher telling me, you know, I can't do this because of this of this situation. I would want want them to push me and motivate me more to make me pass that class, you know, give me that extra push in case in case I need it. Because a lot of the times, you know, when you come into school and you're pushing yourself every day, you're trying to make sure you get your grades because you don't want to fail. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it pushed me to start the business to really kind of focus on the younger adults who are transitioning, who want to get to a better place in their life, who want to do something better. But it is hard when you have schools, work, Mm -hmm. uh, friends, people who just don't motivate you. It can push you in a place where you don't care. And that's what pushed me to do it. I want want to uplift everybody. And be able to mentor 
Yes, that is the perfect word. Yes, mentor. Because my, my my pillar has been like a very big mentor for me. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of people in Georgia who are spreading awareness for sickle cell. But I really have been in tune with my pillar. And I really, I, I don't know, I just feel like she's been the best mentor for me throughout this journey with me and my business right now dealing with sickle cell. You brought up a good point about the difficulties in living with sickle cell. Maybe you can give us an idea of a day in the life of a full-time working adult who has sickle cell. I got to, every morning I do this. Oh, Lord, give me strength. (laughs) Every morning, every morning I have to ask for the strength because when I tell you, like, with the weather out here, it can fluctuate and that has a big, 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 big part of you know, with being a working adult and having sickle cell, especially when it's raining outside, for me, it's hard. You know, you're dragging throughout the day. You don't want to call out. Um, you want to make sure you're paying your bills at the same time. So it's difficult. And then, you know, when you're an adult, you go into the hospital, that's $150. So, mm-hmm. you know, every time you feel like you can't do it and you got to go to the hospital, that's another bill you got to worry about. So it's hard, but I definitely encourage people to always want to stay proactive with what they what they're doing and I feel like that's what's been helping me most of the time is just staying proactive making sure I don't let things fall or or sell myself short when it comes to certain bills and things so just being proactive you have to have you have to have that proactivity and staying uplifted Mm -hmm. yes Yes. and and something that You want you you mute it. Disease. There you go. There you go. I'm sorry. Did y'all hear me? No, I didn't okay. hear you. Okay, I was getting the call. Something that I always like to um, address when we're talking about um, the care when it, for sickle cell disease is the difference between pediatric, which is is like night and day. Um, right now. I get to see overwhelmingly the the pediatric side. I get to visit some adults at the hospital and I get and I see how so different it is. How um, for the pediatric there, especially in Georgia, if your child is is sick and they have to go to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. They have a standing protocol within 30 minutes. Your child is triaged. Um, And this is for sickle cell. They have a specific sickle cell protocol. Your child is triaged. They have pain meds going, everything. They're so attentive. And then you go into the adult world where there are times when you have warriors in the ER for, for hours before being seen and, you know, Corey can attest to this. You're in so much pain, but there is no there's no sense of emergency. No. You know, this is with knowledge that they are faking it, and and sometimes if this is your second or third time coming back because your pain was not addressed the first time, um, is it's it's really like night and day. So yeah. part of what we try to do is to advocate for some sensitivity, number one, within the healthcare community towards the sickle cell patients, and also to try to have some kind of a standing protocol, because when it comes to sickle cell disease, time does matter, you know, 
And I think that's my biggest thing uh, with Grady right now is trying to figure out a protocol. Because even though they have a comprehensive center for sickle cell patients, there is still not an actual protocol in place for like oncoming um, transitioning sickle cell patients. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Giving them a little bit more light on what's going on, how things are going to work. Um, because we do seminars, we do web series with the foundation of Georgia, but it's still not, it's not sticking, you know, I don't feel like it's sticking. So I feel like it needs to be something that's, that's engaging with the community and also is informal, you know, it's informing the the community and letting these, these kids know, you know, this is how it's going to work when you come into a hospital now as an adult. And I feel like I, that would been, that would have been helpful for me if I had mm-hmm. that, um, because I didn't know where to go as um, an 18-year-old first moving here in Georgia, didn't know where to go. And when I went to Northside Hospital, you know, the doctor just looked at me, looked at my face and just told me, well, you don't have jaundice in your eyes. So that was his indication that I don't have sickle cell. So mm-hmm. how, how do you, how do you, <laughs> you know, how do you process that when you've been having sickle cell all your life and you have a physician who just looked at you and it's just like, wow, you know? So just even having just that, that discrimination, it's like things like that happens, but when you don't know, that pushes you away, you know? It, it doesn't even make you want to deal with it because that was a moment in my life where I felt like I had to second guess myself. Like, do I really have sickle cell? Right. Or am, am I really in pain? Yeah. Your recommendations for transitioning and helping someone in terms of having experienced that immediate triage um, as a child and now going into the adult ER and your pain is not placed ahead of anyone else's pain. They just looking at, he just looked at me and the nurse came in with two cups of ice water because she felt bad. She didn't know what to do because there was no order in the computer, but she said she had a son with sickle cell and she was like, this is wrong. And, you know, just experience that, I think I was like maybe 20, 21, that like, that made me feel some type of way. You know, it definitely made me look at hospitals differently because it was like, if this is the treatment I'm going to get in Georgia, I don't even know if I need to be here. And I think it's it's more of a systemic issue, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear you say, Corey, you know, I don't want to be here in Georgia, but sadly, um, this is a story that we hear from not just the U.S., you know, Europe, everywhere. Um, There is a systemic issue where, um, number one, it has to do with the lack of education. Yeah, we can get our kids prepared to um, step into that world of, um, I know you're babied here, but you got to get ready for people not caring about, you know, your pain. It's such a hard conversation to even want to have with your child. If anything, I want to combat that before my kids get to where they're going to be having to experience these things. But I think it starts with education. Um, The the, the reality is that sickle cell disease is not, that's not a topic that the medical world spends much time educating their professionals about. So these professionals come in with um, preconceived notions, like Corey said, uh, stereotypes, misconceptions. They don't know the disease. So the little bit that they know about the disease, they use that to make general decisions. 
when what they should be doing is treating that patient that's in front of them because the disease impacts everyone differently. I have three daughters here, but it impacts each of them completely different. They're both the same mom, same dad, but like one, two of them have never had pain crises, right? I'm so glad and you then, highlighted that. Right, and then one of them, uh, Deej, my middle daughter, she's the most impacted because when she was seven, she had a stroke. You know, people never think about strokes in children, no. but sickle cell is the leading cause of stroke in, in children. So she she deals with that. My my oldest daughter deals with pain. It's just it's just different for everyone. And sometimes it's even um, when we talk about the different kinds of sickle cell, you know, SS or SC or uh, uh, thalassemia. Even if you are supposed to have what's considered the mild form of sickle cell disease, you can still be asymptomatic. So it's important that we look at each individual patient that is, and I say we, the medical field, treat the patient that's in front of you and also respect that they too are experts in their condition. So if you're coming in expecting to have a partner um, in caring for their condition, even if you don't know anything about sickle cell disease, as a physician, you're coming in and you are, you know, be vulnerable to that. If you don't know it, that's fine, but you have an expert right there. Just help, let the patient help you help them. Yes. yes. And yes. a lot of times that's a problem. That spot on. Spot on. A lot of times, instead of embracing that, instead of embracing that vulnerability, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do here. That's where they're not willing to do that. And, yeah. and that's where the, the miscommunication, the, the, the abuse, let's just say that the abuse happens because now this patient is a drug seeker because they know what works for them. And they're telling the doctor, listen, I've taken this. It doesn't work for me. Can we, can we do this? A lot of physicians don't want to hear that. They hear that as you having a drug of choice. A lot you of know. people in the public also don't know how painful sickle cell is. I mean, how would you two address the issue of people that say, well, I don't have sickle cell disease. I don't know anyone who does. So why does this impact me? Why do I need to be aware of it? Uh, you want me to? <laughs> um, so this is, this is the biggest thing uh, with sickle cell because you can't see it. And I feel like that is like the hardest thing for people to understand and to really process because they cannot see it. So it's like out of sight, out of mind. But that is dangerous. It's dangerous because you can't see it. So you don't know how this is going to impact your generation or your family or your children. And, you know, now that we we know more than we did before. So, you know, we're, we're finally doing newborn, newborn screenings and just making sure we're taking those precautions to make sure these kids don't have sickle cell. But it is still out there. People still need to be aware. So, um, you know, when, when, you, when people say, oh, well, I don't have it, so I don't have to worry about it. But if something happens, you have a child with somebody or if you have a sister that has a child with somebody and that baby got sickle cell. Remember those words. Mm-hmm. Because those are things that you have to remember. You got to take much sensitive uh you got to be more sensitive with it because i feel like people are not they're not as sensitive with sickle cell especially with employers you know i got employers that love to compare me with they 
whoever they know with sickle cell. Well, I know I, my cousin got sickle cell. My aunt got sickle cell. But we are two different people. Right. We're not the same people. So the fact that people can say that is like you still got to put that awareness out there because you got folks who are just comparing it because they can't see it. So it's like, well, he got sickle cell. My cousin do too. And it's just like they just throw it to the side like it's nothing. As though it's the same. And this is where the education would uh, come in, um, I think the average person doesn't know that uh, if I can piggy, piggyback off of what uh, Corey just said um, I think also it's important for those people who are you know who feel like they have no relation to sickle cell you know why should I care in this country um, one in 12 black or African American has the sickle cell trait um, and that I say that number is skewed because there are still some people who just don't know their status Mm -hmm. and so we're not that far off from potentially having children with sickle cell disease if you don't know about the disease and if you're not being receptive to education so I think it's important that we all just take a step back and understand that this it used to be that one in 500 black or african-american child is born with sickle cell this was maybe five years ago now it's one in 365. The number is catching up to us. And I think um, a, a huge reason for that is the lack of education, yeah. especially in our communities. Yeah. So but what, would, we, what would be the difference for the average person that's hearing you say one in 365 babies has sickle cell, but one in 12 African-Americans has the trait? What is the difference? Well, one in 12 african african-american has the trait so if two people with the trait got together and you know decided to have a child with every pregnancy there's a 25 percent chance that your child could have the disease uh with that couple there's another 25 percent chance that your child will not have the disease they'll be you know normal uh normal and then there's a 50% chance that your child could be a carrier just like you and dad or mom. Um, and so you still have to educate. Yeah. Also, another reason why we have to care about sickle cell disease is because, um, as I previously stated, a lot of us have the trait. And even if you're healthy and you know everything is going well, a lot of our kids are very active in athletics. And so we have to educate about the, the risks that are involved for those who have traits. Under certain conditions, it can be very deadly. Yeah. So just general education about sickle cell disease, sickle cell traits is highly important for the Black community. And, and they got to start young. Yes. We have to start educating ourselves about sickle cell and the risks that are involved. Um, you know, because... A lot of people who have the trait, they, they live normal lives, but there are some people who are impacted and it has to do with that, you know, trait status. So we have, to, we all have to care. We really do. And I'm not just saying that because I have three kids with sickle cell disease. So it literally is my life, but I wish I had had education and also educate with education. There is hope because yeah. now, because people like, Corey is using his voice to bring awareness because I am using my voice to bring awareness. There's a lot of, there's a lot of traction happening in the sickle cell space until two years ago, we had 
just one medication, right? For, for decades, sickle cell only had one medication on the market that, you know, all of these patients whose disease um, impact them completely different. They only had one <laughs> medication on the market. It didn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone. It was actually a repurposed drug. It's a primarily uh, cancer drug, but it was repurposed for sickle cell because there, there just wasn't much funding for research or nothing like that. Now we have a lot of noise happening in the sickle cell space. You know, therapies are being introduced. We have to care because it's the humane thing to do. This disease is, is ravaging people all over the world. And it's, it's, it's time that we talk about it. And we're doing it in other areas. For example, April is National Minority Health Month. And here at the library, we are giving out health information fact sheets on medical conditions that impact African-Americans at a greater rate, specifically diabetes, high blood pressure, and stroke. So we would probably need to go further in educating um, for the fact that apparently sickle cell disease is the number one cause of stroke in children. Um, right. Either one of you speak about that? Um, I never experienced a stroke on my end. Um, however, it's more of, like I said before, my kidneys and, and basal occlusion. So just being careful with what I eat, what I drink, making sure I'm taking the preventive, preventative care. But I do know other folks who have had strokes and, you know, that is very detrimental for me just to hear stuff like that because it's scary, you know, and to know that mm -hmm. a child can get that, can, can experience that, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people were informed about it. And even when I went to mm -hmm. Cayenne Wellness for the, uh, the educational seminar for sickle cell, I learned so much that I never knew out of my 27 years that sickle cell could do to me. I didn't know sickle cell could take my eyesight. I didn't know mm -hmm. I could go deaf. I didn't know my teeth could go. I didn't know any of this stuff until mm -hmm. I went to that educational seminar. And when I tell you they laid everything out on the table within those three days, and I still got questions, mm -hmm. <laughs> still got more questions. So it's very important. And I think you guys are doing a great job with that pamphlet and letting these, letting these people know about the health disparities with the Black community, but putting sickle cell in there for the kids to know about, yes. I think that'll start to put some... Um, some spike out there, you know. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think um, in terms of sickle cell and stroke, um, <laughs> there is this condition called moya moya, which is what typically, um, if, a, if a sickle cell patient is susceptible to stroke, first of all, in this country, and I wish they would do this all over the world, because of this fact, um, children beginning age two and up are screened every year um, uh, it's called a transcranial Doppler with like an ultrasound of the brain just to see, to look at the health of their vessels. So mm. if a child is, mm -hmm, if a child's vessels are looking too narrow, because mm -hmm. let's talk about this sickle cell, right? For those who may not know the difference between your healthy cells and the cells of a person that has this condition is that yours are round and flexible and they go through your vessels just beautifully, right? right. right. Whereas a sickle cell patient, um, they genetically, they have deficiency in the hemo in hemoglobin, which is the protein 
that carries oxygen to the rest of your body. And because of this deficiency, their cells are deformed. They take the form of a sickle or a banana or crescent moon. That's, that's why it's called that. So when, when children are being screened annually to see if their vessels are healthy in their brain, um, sometimes for those kids who, whose vessels are not as healthy, and typically this is due to a condition called moya moya, which is a Japanese term that, that means um, puff of smoke. That's how it looks on the, the x-ray. Um, if their vessels are too narrow, that increases their risk of having stroke because if the, the, the blood cannot flow easily and you have your cells sickle in your brain, that's what's gonna cause the stroke. So if a patient is deemed to be at high risk, they may start you with uh, blood trans, depending on how bad it is, they'll start you with blood transfusions, just so that that lowers your risk of having too many sickle cells in your blood, and at which case you can have a stroke. But this is something that is, um, that is prevalent here in the United States. So here we get to prevent it, but imagine in places where there are no access to care, that's why in places like Africa, in you know, African countries, a lot of kids who are born with sickle cell disease do not live to see age five. It's a very brutal disease. Does this continue into adulthood? Are you still able to be screened and this is covered by your insurance? Because it seems like it should fall under preventive care. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, right now, my medical bills right now is over $1,700 as we speak right now. They're not, I mean, I can't pay it right now, but um, yeah, it's a lot of that stuff is not covered. And, you know, I have to ask for a lot of, um, you know, help, I should say. And, you know, just trying to get the doctors to just make sure that I'm here more than uh what they do like every three months, they try to tell you to come to the doctor. No, I need to be here every month. I need to make sure I'm, you know, watching everything, staying on top of everything. Um, I, I wish the insurance took care of some of this stuff, but for CT scans and all that stuff, a lot of that stuff, they want me to pay out of pocket. But for the health problems that those with sickle cell suffer, like your biggest challenges in health, the, when you have a crisis and you go into the ER, what are you usually seen for and what type of things are you being charged for? Um, well, most definitely charge you for the medications. Um, and then they also are trying to figure out exactly what to look for. So you got some doctors that I dealt with who just want to test you on everything. They don't care. They just want to test everything. They want to check your heart, head, x-ray. They want everything. And then you got some doctors that will look at LDLs. I guess that's the lipids. And they try yes. to tell the um, the hemolytic, hemoly- I'm, I think I'm saying it right, hemolytic uh crisis they want to know if your crisis is as bad as it is mm-hmm. so it really just depends who's in there and who's you know caring for you at the time because i have some doctors who literally was about to just send me out the door saying i was just dehydrated but i had edema because my kidney was a failing so it was like no the doctor didn't pick that up the nurse did so you know a lot of times it's just really i feel like it's just who who you're working with and who knows you um they know your body, they know what you need. 
Because if they don't know, they're just going to test you on everything and they're going to rack that bill up for you. So would you all say that this is a difference from someone, say, that's in pain from cancer going to the ER to receive pain medication? Um, would that be covered under insurance? Can I, can I mention something, you guys? Sure. Georgia has had a cancer state aid through the public health department since 19, early 1900s. Yes, it is. It has been around for the longest. And a lot of things that the sickle cell patients have been asking for, these cancer patients get it. So this is state aid that doesn't cost the cancer patient anything. No, you just need to have a diagnosis and you can pull it up right now on Georgia Department of Public Health. It has been there. It's there for them. And a lot of people don't know about it because it's only offered to cancer patients. Mm-hmm. So make some noise about that. Oh, I have. I've been, <laughs> I've been talking to Nord um, because we're trying to get this legislation policy together for sickle cell patients because it is very prevalent here in the state of Georgia. You know, Choa is known to be one of the biggest sickle cell, um, you know, hospitals for patients mm-hmm. that have sickle cell. So I think it's needed. I think we definitely do need a, a state aid for sickle cell patients, and I'm ready to start. My pillow, you want to join me? Let's do it. (laughs) I actually did have a question about that in terms of where would someone start? Say they're listening to this podcast and they decide, okay, I'd like to be an advocate. What's the best way for them to get started trying to support someone who has sickle cell disease or become involved in an organization? Well, one of the, that's, First of all, I, I get calls all the time where it seems like people are needing some kind of um, okay to advocate. And I'm sensitive to that because I feel like you don't need like anyone's permission to, mm-hmm. to advocate. You just need that, that zeal, that energy, and that heart. And it sounds like you're already there if you're thinking about it. So um, i Use your social media, use your voice. That's number one, use your voice to bring awareness to this disease. There there are sickle cell facts all over the internet. Um, You can go to Corey's website. Corey, what's your website? Uh, You can go to redmoonpro.org and it's a lot of different things that you can be connected with through there as well. Um, Because I am trying to get that connection and pushing these, these, these younger patients out. They do have to speak. And they, they're yes. so scared sometimes to just speak, but it's at it's at a point now where we have to help each other. So my pillar, she has helped me out, you know, and and I want to be able to do the same thing that she's done to me because this is this is how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work like it's supposed to be a system. And even I just ran into a, a Dominican slash Puerto Rican who has sickle cell who lives here in Georgia, and she asked to um to volunteer with Red Moon, and I thought that was so oh. crazy because she has SS. I don't think I know any um, any patients of that descent, that ethnicity that has SS. So just to even have that, like I extended more information about different studies and therapies that she can do that'll compensate her. But also mm-hmm. like what Matt Puller said about just getting on social media, engage yourself with the social media because this is really how you can start to ex- explore yourself as an advocate and really start to jump into different fields. Because I didn't know what I was doing when I first started this. But when I got on social media and I just registered for a seminar, I didn't know I was going to be able to go for $50. So it's 
to LA? Oh, from, uh, for real? <laughs> but as a patient to go out there for an educational seminar, it was like the most, it was the best thing ever. It was the best thing ever because I finally got to be in the advocacy world of sickle cell and I got to meet everyone. And that's when it just started to bloom. Everything yeah. just started to happen for me. So having that zeal, like my pillar said, and just having that will to start, mm-hmm. once you get your foot in the door, you're going to be like, wow, I've been missing out on a lot. I'm missing out on a yeah. lot. And also something I'll recommend for anyone who's wanting to support the sickle cell community is to donate blood. Um, blood is something that the sickle cell community uses in abundance. Yeah. Okay. And um, we don't want to say that this is a black disease because as Corey just said, there are people from all ethnicities in this day and age who have sickle cell disease. But in this country, it predominantly affects people of color. So what does that mean for a sickle cell patient who is black and uh, sickle cell patients tend to require frequent blood transfusions? Their blood is going to come from a black person because the blood that they get has to be cross-matched to someone who is as closely matched to the to them genetically as possible so that they do not uh, react to them negatively. And so it's really important that we, we rally our black community. We rally everyone really, but the black community specifically for the sickle cell community, because um, in, like in the case of my daughter, she gets blood transfusions every month. Okay. So I would hate to think what would happen if there was no blood available she could have a stroke. She has to have a transfusion to prevent a stroke because she had a stroke at seven. Uh, Something else that whoever is listening want to do to help the sickle cell community is to join the bone marrow registry. Uh, A bone marrow transplant is one of the ways that many sickle cell patients are being cured. But sadly, a lot of us or a lot of them do not have match and so they're waiting for that perfect match and you could be that we're so. definitely trying here with our new health literacy initiative to bring topics like this to the public and one thing that we did with our grant was to bring awareness to clinicaltrials.gov and people can go to this website you can explore any health condition including sickle cell and you can register for a trial uh, in your area and maybe one of the ways that we could advocate better for those with sickle cell is actually to encourage them to sign up for these trials because I think that's where more medications are going to come from and uh, more research what do you guys think about I totally agree um you know I always was against like clinical trials before because you know just just with history and all that but um the more I get into them I'm starting to understand it it's helping me because it's like you know I'm I'm listening to the questions that they're asking me and it kind of get me thinking like oh well I, I never really thought about it like that but a lot of the different trials that I've done um they're helping other patients and they're also helping myself so I do think you know that hesitancy with trying to do it we got to get out of that you know we got to start to look more into the future and what could be you know the the greater outcome of you doing this this clinical trial 
or just even signing up for the registry, like just little things like that can make a huge impact on so many patients out here. And that's what our grant is. It's actually an all of us research program grant. And all of us is designed to bring people of color to clinical trials because it's recognized that when we don't participate, medications and such that come um, to market sometimes don't work on us at all because they're not tested on a diverse enough group. So the goal is to try to get 1 million people um, aware of this and registered um, to participate in clinical trials um, and then to, you know, just to provide health information and sort of as a grassroots get this started where our community starts to heal from feeling like we've been tested on and we don't have that hesitancy, as Corey was saying, um, so that we can participate in trials. Um, and the more we're a part of it, the more research comes out that would help us with conditions like sickle cell. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, um, go ahead, Corey. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I love that idea that you guys are doing this because I feel like Juneteenth Festival is going to be a really good time to break out and really let our communities know that this is the time, you guys. We're here. We're going to get some blood from just about everybody at this festival. We're going to make sure everybody drinking their water. <laughs> Just like you read my mind, I was just thinking, what can we do besides having literature at the library? What can the public library do in terms of outreach? Go ahead, my pillar. No, I was saying, I think um, to to your point, uh, and I think both of you spoke to this, the, the mistrust that rightly so, we are very um, cynical about clinical trials as a history. But it's important that our community understand and all those who have reservations about clinical trials is that a lot has been done to combat what was done um, in the past. Um, there are so many uh, protections for the patient and a lot of people and our communities don't take advantage of this. But, you know, through clinical trials, there are a lot of people who are getting access to free care. Because when you're in a clinical trial, that is free. And there are incentives for you to be a part of these trials. And I mean, and the biggest thing is you are helping to bring about something that's good for whatever patient population that medication is, is serving. So I think just educating um, our communities on that is, is even just as important. I agree. I think we probably need so to happy. be out there. <laughs> it made me so happy. I will, I will be at Juneteenth Festival, just so everyone knows, Red Moon Pro. Um, we're going to make sure we show some love to Clayton County, and I would yes. love to have Mephalai join me as well. I will but this be is there. A great time. Yeah, this is a great time to really like get with the community and start mm-hmm. to bring noise and emphasize health. Yeah. It's important, you know what I'm saying? And and with our black folks, it's something about food, music, but we know how to we know how to get in tune, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm like, look, I think Juneteenth Festival would be great. So whatever you guys are doing with Clayton County, I would love to be uh, you know, a help to whatever you guys are doing. I would love to help. 
And you guys, also, what's important to understand about Juneteenth is also World Sickle Cell Day. Yes. I don't know who was thinking, but I I feel like that that coincidence is a beautiful coincidence Mm -hmm. because we have to make sickle cell a topic at every Juneteenth conversation. You have all these, you know, all of our people there. I think it's a missed opportunity if we don't take at least five minutes just to make sure everyone knows their status if you have the trait and what that means so that's something um last year i was very intentional and i was like juneteenth and world sickle cell day are the same day so i made t-shirts that said yes i love your t-shirt i love her t-shirt so yeah because we want to we want to be intentional in tying those two together Right. I definitely think the merchandise helps too. I saw on your website the bracelets mm-hmm. and pins and tote bags. Like people like that type of thing. And maybe we could put literature in there. Um and, but I definitely agree when people are, you know, happy, eating, <laughs> enjoying themselves, they're more open to hearing about something yeah. like clinical trials. Right. Yeah. Versus yeah. just walking in the library and, you know, and we're just kind of reading it to you from a fact sheet. I mean, those mm-hmm. have their place, but I was trying to find out what we could do to be out in the community and support well i've been to a few events in clayton county and i know like uh, you guys are very engaged with the community i I like that um when i used to work for the chiropractor's office i'm not sure if you are if you're familiar with injury to wellness dr garcia but i used to work for him and he used to send me out to do marketing all the time and i mean it would be nothing about sickle cell anywhere but then you'll see like different things about chiropractic care and make sure you eat this eat that but there's predominantly a a big crowd of black folks you know and i feel like that right there was the perfect opportunity you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so any opportunity you guys with any type of event that's going to be engaging with the community you definitely should want to spread the awareness there because that will be how you get more people to come into the library right I think Clayton County has um, uh, has been pushed a little bit to, because like, and I think Corey, you were trying to speak to this. This is a predominantly black county, yeah, right? And right. so how beautiful would it be to make sickle cell awareness important? So last, last year, the county did a proclamation for the first time for World Sickle Cell Day right? And we had billboards for World Sickle Cell Day. We had billboards for the whole September. Just, you know, bring my picture too. (laughs) Just bringing awareness to the disease and um, the county, the the Board of Commissioners had me do a presentation um, and it was all about educating the community. You know, it was COVID, but, you know, it was live streamed so everyone could tune in and listen to this presentation we had displays in um, a number of the rec centers just letting people know that September is sickle cell awareness month just just to just to have that out there to to make people curious to even do research Mm -hmm. so I think uh, we're in a unique situation here in Clinton County to really be impactful when it comes to sickle cell disease we're doing a lot um in the sickle cell space, again, my organization is out of here. We, um, we're big on awareness, obviously, but something else that we do is we really try to help patients. You know, there's a, there's a socioeconomic impact that's 
associated with sickle cell that not a lot of people are talking about. As we heard earlier, Corey spoke to this in terms of, you know, the bills that, that pile up because it's not covered by insurance. Well, if you have an unpredictable disease that really impacts your ability to work, to be able to pay these bills, yeah. someone got to help. And sadly, again, there's not that much sensitivity. I don't know if it's because there's not that much awareness, but we're taking care of that now. So we're trying to build sensitivity to this cause. And so we in Clayton County uh, through MTS, we have been MTS Sickle Cell Foundation. We have been helping families pay rent, buy food. We have parking passes at CHOA, you know, for, for families. We have food vouchers. And our, our help is not just limited to Georgia because there's not a lot of organizations doing this. It's kind of inhumane to not help a family just because they're not in Georgia. So, but there's also a burden because people are not giving as they should to sickle cell disease. So this is all really, my hope is that people are listening and you know, it doesn't have to be my organization or Corey's organization. Please help out those who are trying to help the sickle cell community. Yeah. That's one way you can help. Oh, well, I guess I'll piggyback off what she said. Um, I, I definitely um, agree with what you're saying, but also um, just making that step. I mean, yeah, Clayton County most definitely is, you know, doing something because I totally, I apologize. I forgot about the proclamation, but that, that it was an amazing step though. I was so happy to see that when I saw you do that. So, you know, I just think, you know, just staying engaged with the community and ever since doing an internship with Six Sales, yes, part of advocacy, you should do internships. You should be on all types of organizations, see what they do, get involved. Um, I did an internship with Six Sales organization based in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And just, just to learn you know, just to engage with the community from different sickle cell patients all over the country. It's just like, just to have that, that experience, like it, that really pushed me to want to just make this known everywhere. Because it's like, you know, I got kids out here who want to know about this. I got kids who don't know about it. I got kids who just want to make other people feel good about it. So Clayton County, y'all on my team. I'm on Mapillar's team, Mapilla's team. I'm just excited. I'm just so happy right now that we're talking about this. This makes me so happy. I'm happy we're talking about it as well. Is there one central place, excuse me, that people can go to that need economic help with their bills from uh, going to the hospital due to sickle cell? Or if they go to your websites, would they be able to have someone assist them with whatever forms or they need to fill out? Yes. They can, you can go to redmoonpro.org and you can shoot an email um, I can definitely get you connected with the resources. Um, I definitely know Grady Hospital does very well with their social workers. So, you know, if you can get into Grady Hospital, you know, you have a, a whole separate side away from the emergency room. You don't even have to go over there. Um, so that's a great part, too. But also just having um, that social worker there, they are very helpful with any type of resources. And then you have a vocational rehab. They are great resources as well for a lot of disabled um, sickle cell patients. So just reaching out and staying, you know, engaged with the community that's that's out there that's willing to help. You know, Mapillar, she's helped me when I was in the hospital and 
that was like a big help. Like I loved her after that. Once she sent me that, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. She fed me. So it's just like, you know, you just got to reach out to who out there. Don't, don't be scared to call me. Don't be scared to call my pillar. We are here to help. And that's why we have these nonprofits because that's what we're here to do. We need to bring more awareness. Yes. And, um, just to piggyback off of what Corey said, a lot of times um, I work very closely with social workers. So they, uh, example, if, if a family went to CHOA right now, maybe Scottish, right, and they were having a hard time paying a bill or paying their rent, the social worker will send that um, situation to me and see what I can do to help. And um, so that social worker has access to different resources. Uh, it may be that I can help with the power bill. Someone else can help with utility. Again, because funding is very limited, we try to tag team, right? If I'm able to do all of it, I do. If not, then I may, if it's a family that's reaching out to me, I would actually tell them, hey, go over to Lockhart Morgan. That's another sickle cell organization. Mm-hmm. And tell Gwen, my pillar says she can do this. Like, drop my name, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and it, but it really does work like that. Because even, you know, with different organizations, we are all close. Like, you know, you guys just see me and my pillar. But we the, the sickle cell uh, world is very close you know everyone pretty much knows each other everybody works with each other so that's why i tell like if you want that's why i say if you want to be an advocate it's so easy just get your foot in the door because as soon as you get in there we're gonna take you all arms we're gonna pull you in like this i think we need a resource list that we can put at all seven of our branches um when you know when jonesboro opens up but at least that the six we have now we could put the resource list out so that people know who to call for what um and that there's an advocate that will guide them through this that's a great what, idea what about Absolutely. adults who are working and for example um their employer doesn't know that they have sickle cell but they're starting to have multiple absences i mean how can they address that but still maintain their privacy or do you think they should be forthcoming with the fact that they have sickle cell this, this is so hard for me because I've been fighting with this for the longest. And I work for the state of Georgia because um, I didn't feel like my, my illness should have been publicly said to everybody in HR. But it became an issue to the point where nobody was believing anything. They just thought I was lying all the time or he's out of work because he don't want to come to work. You know, he's not doing this because he say he's tired. But no, I'm telling you guys, this, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not not lying. But um, it is very smart, if you, if you can, to solidify and recertify your FMLA, your family medical leave, um, every year. I just learned to do that last year. I didn't know I had to do it every year. I, I had no idea. But they weren't going to tell me. They were not going to tell me that. So, um, you know, just making sure you are all good standing with your paperwork when you're coming into the, you know, employment world. Make sure that, that those papers have the language where it is for you and not against you that makes sense yeah it does make sense yeah so you know I definitely had to make sure that that letter was pertained for me and it was making sure that it was protecting me not only myself my health but also my finances to make sure I'm able to take care of you know what's going on 
So um, I think that's the biggest thing that really saved me is making sure my FMLA was in place because now you really cannot fire me. And if you do, we're going to have to get a case. You think it's advantageous for a person to uh, express to their employer that they have sickle cell disease um, when they start working or should you disclose that during an interview? So now I say it during my interview. Um, before I didn't, I didn't care to say it. I didn't, I didn't, I thought that was like a hindrance. Like, oh, well, he got sickle cells, so we don't need to hire him. Right. You know, and that's what I thought, you know, I thought that's what it was. But now I, I tell people, and I'm very open about it because I need, I need you to understand that I'm out here and, and I'm, I'm doing this interview because I really want this job and I need this to help me. But you also, I don't want to blindside you either. So I feel like, you know, just letting them know this and before you go into a job, it is very smart because now this person can at least get an understanding. Though they may not understand what sickle cell is, they at least know, you know? Yes. Um, I've always been a huge proponent um, of, and I, I guess because my kids are not, well, they started working this year. I know, they got, they got some good jobs too. <laughs> I was going to say, but, you know, I've always, I'm that parent at the beginning of every school year. I speak with the teachers about my children's care because it's important that my kids are not going to be with me all the time. And you're going to, this teacher is going to be watching them for, you know, quite some time. So it's important that they know what to expect. It's important that we build a village, right? Um, they're going to be in your class. They may need to keep hydrated. So if you know that, you're more likely to help implement that or even just ask them, have you, have you drank your water or whatever? <laughs> um, they need to know that they cannot overexert themselves. You know, they need to be able to say, okay, take a break now, you know, and, you know, or whatever. It's, it's important that we build a village around our kids with sickle cell disease. And Part of the reason why I would say um, for an adult patient to disclose is because you just never know how much of a community you're going to build from that. If, if your job knew that you get monthly blood transfusions, who's to say they're not going to be more receptive towards having a blood drive in your honor? Yes. Right. You know, if your job knew that... Um, because of sickle cell, you know, so much has happened. I've had situations where a company donated to our organization in honor of a, a worker's child who's battling sickle cell and they just found out. You just never know. Um, I understand it's a very private thing, but sickle cell requires a village, you know, and it's, it's, it's really time that we start to build that sensitivity surrounding sickle cell. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with the lack of awareness, the lack of knowledge. So I've yeah. always I've always encouraged families to, you know, don't hesitate to share your story with your church because they're in a unique position to help you. They oh, can't help point. what they don't know. I definitely you can't agree see with it. that. You can't right. see it. So I think it will like, promote that sensitivity and the education will help as well. And they've got absolutely. this person that they work with every day or they go to right. church yeah. with and it makes sickle cell become real to them. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're giving people a why. 
literally if you i get i get tagged all the time because someone saw the blood mobile at walmart and they thought about my daughter it's like oh. let me let me let me donate for my little niece oh, um, nice. you know and that. this is just from creating awareness you have given them a why people may not engage with you or they may not even say much but when they are faced with that um that call to act they'll remember you they'll think about you they if will. there's a blood drive they'll be like well you know my friend need blood every year and if you've been educating them every month i mean if you've been educating them they'll think about you in that moment that deciding moment every friday i wear i there's this campus is like 75 acres but every friday i wear a sickle cell shirt either way it's red moon i'll put on my pillar shirt I'll just put on, you know, sickle cell stuff really? every Friday just to kind of show awareness. And I like when people ask me, what, what's that? What's mm-hmm. that? What's that? Because then I get to talking like, well, this yes. is a, a sickle cell that you're looking at, not a moon. This is sickle cell right here. And then, you know, it just, it shows the patience about sickle cell. It, 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 it starts to emphasize the physicians on sickle cell because we have patients that come here too. So, you know, oh. if these patients have sickle cell you just looking at them mentally, but no, they have something that is physically wrong. Like you need to make sure you are taking in taking that into consideration as well. So yeah, just making sure you, you know, giving one give everyone that knowledge and just show that awareness, it really does start to build a village. I like that you said that. I I like that. I like the idea that you had because yeah. I think that we could tell people about that. Um, most people in business have a casual Friday at their mm-hmm. job, and you know we can help them. You know, they provide them with T-shirts with sickle cell awareness and literature. Mm-hmm. So when someone asks them about their shirt, then they have mm-hmm. information to give them. Yeah. So they got another way to reach out. We can start okay. wearing that here. <laughs> Whatever we can. I remember um, my daughter. Every time she goes into surgery, she wears bold lipstick and yes i remember you telling me that yeah she does that because nobody expects a, a little girl to wear lipstick so they always ask why are you wearing lipstick and she will tell them i'm wearing bold lips for sickle cell that that's her way of starting a conversation that's a Excellent. good conversation Ooh, starter yeah. that is yeah okay so she'll be coming out of the or i'll get a call from the, the nurse or whatever they're like oh she's doing good surgery went well her lips were a little dry, but we put some lip gloss on it. It's back to popping. <laughs> we got own special they way. care about her bold lips just like she does. So that's when they know, okay, let's not, let's not mess up her lips. <laughs> we should do that for Juneteenth. Bold lips. No, you, no you really should because yeah. I'm telling you, like, I really want people to emphasize sickle cell on Juneteenth Festival. And once I heard about having that spot, and she was like, well, we really don't have a lot of health you know, mm-hmm. booths here. I was like, well, we need to change that. This is good. Yeah, we need to change that. We need it's more. It's good health. you said that, Corey. Yeah, we need to change that. We got to change that. So when I get there, I'm open. I'm open arms. Whoever want to join me, let's go and let's tag team this and let's show these people how we can get them feeling right. Well, I think this has been an awesome conversation. You guys have um, any closing thoughts? Mm, I can say. Anyone who is a young adult, you know, transitioning to the adult world, adult health care, um, it, it, it can be a scary feeling, but ask questions. You know, don't be scared to ask questions. If you want to start advocating, start advocating. 
uh, I feel like we're just in a time right now where people got to stop thinking about it and it's, you got to do it. Just start. Oh, you doing said it perfectly. Just get yeah, started. You, know, you got to just start doing it. You know, I know it's scary, especially get over that hump because you don't know what to expect. You don't know if you're going to get the help, if you're not going to get the help. But having that willpower, keep trying and just do it. And I feel like that's my biggest motivation for anybody with sickle cell. If it's something that's going to make you happy, do it. Make sure you live your life accordingly and you live your best life. Don't let sickle cell stop you from nothing. Because these doctors, they can't do it. Only you can. That's perfect, Corey. I love that. (laughs) I love that too. (laughs) And I mean, what I would say is gone are the days when sickle cell was considered a death sentence. You know, there's a lot of advances, a lot of therapeutics on the horizon where people with sickle cell are leading um, full lives. However, there are still a lot of disparities that exist that we're still combating daily. So please continue to educate yourself about sickle cell disease. See what you can do to help the sickle cell community, whether it's donating blood, whether it's donating to organizations that support um, sickle cell disease, whether it's joining the the bone marrow registry, whatever you can do to support the sickle cell community. It's something that's greatly needed and will be so much appreciated. You said it well. Sending hearts all around. Hearts all around. (laughs) Corey, sending hearts back. Yes, sending hearts everywhere. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. If you enjoyed the content featured in today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, and share. For frequent updates about the Clayton County Library System, visit our website at www.claytonpl.org and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Clayton G-A-L-I-B.